is a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of October 2008. I always advise newcomers to look into my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And in there, you'll find a wealth of information from previous talks I've given on this big system we live within, and I try and explain as best I can using documentation. Uh, those that are really behind it and what the big plan is. And it's not so difficult to understand when you realize it's been going on for a long, long time, centuries in the making, and it's held together through organization, organizational ability, and basically societies and foundations and what they now call non-governmental organizations, how they all work together towards this brave new world and why. Also look into Alan AlanWattSentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download, print up and pass around and they're written in the various languages of Europe. Now for those who have donated to me, I thank you because it keeps me going. It costs a lot of cash to keep this thing going here and it literally is a seven day a week job. It takes five hours to upload all this stuff to the website after a show. And during the day, I'm busy with emails and paper mail and running off to post offices and everything else. And uh, last week, I found another little weasel on MySpace. who's a university student. I have all his details. And I also know his dad's address, too. I'll be sending off letters to his dean and to his dad. This uh, great student that they have, who's also in all the big football leagues and so on, because on the website, he'd, uh, he'd had 2,000 downloads given away of my books. And that means about $16,000 he just ripped from under my feet, you see, over the past year and a half. And nothing much comes in here, of course, when, when guys like that are doing this kind of stuff. And unfortunately, the public uh, are willing to go for these free stuff. They don't think about keeping me going. And if I can't keep going, then I'm not on the air. Simple as that then you're left with spacemen, channelers, and you're left with lizard people and horoscopes. And good luck to you. Good luck to you. Simple as that. When all this stuff is going on with uh, the economy and the public think that the stock market's all very real and all the excuses are given by the, the newspaper economists are telling the truth, but all there is to know, uh, there's so much more behind it because like everything else in this world, there's three levels of reality. There's always a bottom level, and that's generally from professors down, except for those professors, the few who are allowed into the, the, the next level of understanding, into the truth. And above that, of course, there's the real professionals, the few who have access to archives and they're brought into the higher societies because they can be trusted and they have certain traits and qualities which the big boys need. 
because what's happening now is only one part of an agenda to change the system into a pre-planned system, a pre-planned system that was written about even when they were setting up the Federal Reserve of the U.S. And the trick is always to keep us thinking and following the experts that are presented to the public, the low-level experts, that it's all to do with the bubble stocks and all the rest of it. This is utter nonsense. They could have kept this coin game going for as long as they wished to because there's nothing backing it in the first place except our faith in it. And I'll explain this and how it started after this break. through the matrix and before I get into a little bit the, the past the history of this big movement I'd like to mention something that's come out of it and that is to do with the North American Union that is only part of the scheme that's going on right now uh, because we're also hearing from the Prime Minister of Canada and Mr. Bush of the US that we're going towards an integration of the Americas with that of Europe. And how did all this start? You think it's all happening now through crisis, you know, solve crisis and all that kind of stuff. Nothing to do with that whatsoever. If you go back into your history and you look at Queen Elizabeth I of England and the creation of the British East India Company, and you follow it down through the ages with the, the Burma Opium Company, which the Crown of England owned right up into the 1930s. You can find that in George Orwell's biography because his father was in charge of the British Opium Company on behalf of the Crown for most of his life. But Queen Elizabeth I was surrounded by Rosicrucians, these odd guys that call themselves Rosicrucians. That was a time when really the term Illuminati had already come out. They were the illumined ones, the ones who knew. They knew the, the con games. They knew the scams because they knew that they were all pirates and so on. Uh, but one of them came up with the idea of a British Empire based on a form of free trade. But eventually they would bring those countries that created, traded with them into a common standardized system, the same as Britain. And if you notice in Britain, democracy is an elastic band because the definitions keep changing. It's the beauty of a democracy can always keep changing it forever and ever. And that was the original intention. And then you find, going back into the late 1800s, with the crown-backed Cecil Rhodes Foundation, a foundation that was going to use Britain and its empire as the foundation to bring more countries in so there was a global empire, a world system, a world government. And Cecil Rhodes Foundation merged with the Round Table Society, also here, uh, basically held by Alfred Lord Milner, or Lord Alfred Milner. And the two groups merged together, and they formed the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They sent men all over the planet to help create societies which would work 
and integrate the whole planet section by section. They actually called it regions, one region at a time, the European region and then the American region. And the beauty of their plan is that the people would be focused on one part of it when another two or three parts of the system elsewhere in the world were all going on at the same time. Hence we find Professor Carl Quigley, who was the historian for the American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, telling us in his own book, Tragedy and Hope, and the Anglo-American establishment, a very important work, uh, that, that they had pretty well sewn up, even in his day, this whole agenda that was take a hundred odd years to fulfill. When Colonel Mandel House was the advisor, actually he ran the, the, the U.S. government for Mr. Wilson, the president, you always find number two is more important than number one. That's the Masonic tradition. And these guys were all Freemasons, and they used secrecy and masonry to its full advantage. And that is part of it. They do keep secrets, and they do swear allegiances to each other and to their purpose. And we find that uh, Colonel Mandel House, he didn't have a real colonel at all. His title was taken uh, just to give it some grandeur to his name. But what's real in politics anyway? Uh, he was the go-between between President Wilson and the, and the other big players in the U.S. government and his British counterparts. He, he, he talked to Lord L. Grey, and Grey uh, was the head of this royal organization that was intent on bringing in world government. They also wanted centralized banking, and you'll find Mandel House was, was deeply involved in proposing that centralized banking come in and the creation of the Federal Reserve in the U.S. And they wanted to take over the world's resources. To the public, they would say it was for the good of all. Britain was, Britain was very good at this because they call it the Commonwealth. What that means is that the elite steal the wealth of the commoners. That's what it means. That's their big joke, you see. And Mandel House did his part in his work. He also pushed Wilson to get the League of Nations through for world government at the end of World War I. That's why they brought the U.S. into it, to try and get everyone to their knees and exhausted through warfare and would accept world government. That did not happen, and so they kept working steadily through it. Massive organizations with hundreds of arms and branches. They got World War II on the go, and out of it came the United Nations. The United Nations was set up to be the front for these boys, a front system. And I know that for a fact that it's totally corrupt because people within the United Nations write to me and tell me so. It's run as a front organization. Uh, they draft up bills and so on and laws and hand it out to the different governments who all sign them into law. Very old agenda to take over the wealth of the world, but part of it too was to start reducing the populations in a post-industrial era by every and any means possible. Eugenics plays into it big time. Cecil Rhodes, uh, President Wilson, uh, the Prime Minister of Britain at that time too, all 
exchanged letters about skull sizes and phrenology and inferior and superior types. Now that's on record, that's in, the, that's in their own uh, biographies. Check it out and you'll find that's true. They're really deeply worried about the populations of the world increasing and the public might start getting too powerful and they might start rebelling about getting robbed all the time through all these taxations and wars, etc., that we go off and fight to steal more for the big boys. And that's still on the go today. While the summit of the Americas goes on, this other big group that we sort of see as a, a bunch of hobbyists that are meeting in Latin America in different places, uh, they're actually merging the whole continent of the Americas as part of that old plan going all the way back to Mandel House, Wilson, and, their, and Lord Grey in England. That was called the Anglo-American Establishment. They're still working today. And the whole idea was to base the world system upon an Anglified version, a system that would, that would adopt that of the U.S. and England. Anyone who wouldn't join or would not give up their wealth and come into it would find that they were embroiled in civil wars that were stirred up by various factions like the CIA, MI6, and so on. And those that succumbed to it and agreed to it would end up, of course, as you can see in many third world countries, in utter poverty. Lots of people are well aware that we're being integrated into a same kind of block as the European bloc, and that was all arranged a hundred odd years ago, as I say. Karl Marx, remember, was the first one to talk about it, and he worked and liaised with these same organizations when they had a previous name. Regional takeovers. And when the economy seems to be up in the air, and we're all terrified about it because we're supposed to be, because this big imaginary bubble has burst and they're trying to heal it, and as I say, they could have kept it going for as long as they want because the con's been going on forever. They've also been rushing ahead with the, Canada, the Canadian Prime Minister and, the, and Mr. Bush in the States with an amalgamation of the Americas. Now that we're almost there, you see, we've only got two more signings to go and they were amalgamated completely. 2010 is the deadline. They're already going forward with the amalgamation and they're signing it to amalgamate with Europe. And when they're doing that, they've also got their guys in the Far East and they are a branch of the Royal Institute of International Relations called the Institute for the Pacific Relations. They've been working at this for a hundred years in the Far East to bring them into it too. World government, you see, under the auspices of the United Nations front group. That's why they're pushing economic integration, a world bank with power and teeth, governments that run your lives in a fascist sort of way, using also communism, because the lower classes will be uh, basically, they'll find that their whole lives are run minutely by a communistic style system. While above the bureaucracies are the fascist elites who live a life of Riley. That is the system. And here's one 
article here. It's from North American Union Archives. It's very interesting. And this guy has done his homework. He's called the Lone Wacko. And that's what you'll be if you tell the truth to the people who watch the 6 o'clock news. You'll be a wacko. This is Canada integrating their economic policy or economy with the European Union. Now he's talking about merely Canada here. And that's from the, the 3rd to the 10th of the 8th Globe and Mail story, Provinces Key to EU Trade Deal, Quebec Premier says. Canada's premiers will play a pivotal role in the country's efforts to integrate its economy with the 27 nations of the European Union. Be back with more with the American version after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is The Matrix we're cutting through. And by God, how deceptive it is with so many different layers and so many chess games going on all at once. That's how it's supposed to be. That way most folk don't catch on to what's really happening. We're always concerned about the latest crisis that we're handed. And while they're doing all this, they're also integrating the economies and the governments of America. They're also amalgamating the Americas with the European Union. And this is from Mr. Charest, one of the politicians in Canada, from an article on the Globe and Mail. It says, he described the proposed act as a groundbreaking initiative on a scale that has never been attempted. The accord would go well beyond the scope of the NAFTA agreement between Canada and the U.S. by encompassing not only trade in goods and services, but also the free movement of skilled workers and an open market in government services and procurement. An open market in government services and procurement. And what does the U.S. say about this? They don't say much at all to the public on the mainstream media, and yet here's the U.S. Department of State's website. It says, Fact Sheet, Bureau of European and Eurasian, or Eurasian Affairs, Washington, D.C., May 13th, 2008. Fact Sheet, Advancing Transatlantic Economic Integration Through the Transatlantic Economic Council. Did you know you even had a Transatlantic Economic Council? No. Maybe they're Anunnaki. Oh, I don't think so. Now, these are organizations and men who belong to very powerful, noble organizations. Like to say what they're doing is noble. And it truly is, because the nobility always stole from everyone else. It says here, President Bush and his administration are working to unleash the potential of the transatlantic economy. That's what they called it back in the days of Mandel House, the transatlantic treaty. They hope to bring it in for a transatlantic union. And here's the very same thing being used today. Why is it the same thing? Because it's the same organizations working intergenerationally to make it happen. And all those treaties they made back in 1917 still stand in law, and they've been working on them ever since in creating more treaties. The last part of treaties is ties. You get, you get bound together. Masons love this kind of stuff. Since this week, the Transatlantic Economic Council, TEC, met for the second time in Brussels, continuing its work to remove barriers to transatlantic trade and investment 
and promoting economic integration. Understand if your economy is integrated, it just doesn't mean that you share the same currency or whatever or the same market. It means everything to do with your law will revolve around the economic system that now rules. That's how all laws make, are made. Look into any book, even the beginner's book on economics, and it'll tell you that. The U.S. delegation included Agricultural Secretary Ed Schaefer, Labor Secretary Elaine Kale, and U.S. Trade Representative Susan C. Schwab, Deputy Treasurer, Treasury Secretary Robert Kimmett, Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Andrew von Essenbach, Securities and Exchange Commissioner Paul Atkins, and so on and so on and so on. It says the European Union delegation led by Gunter Verhoegen, Vice President of the European Commission, included Commissioners Peter Mandelson, Charlie McCreevy, Maglena Kuniva, and Laszlo Kovacs, as well as other senior commission officers, officials. During the course of the meeting, the U.S. and EU officials discussed ongoing efforts to promote regulatory cooperation, eliminate barriers to transatlantic trade. You've got to understand what, what barriers are. See, nationalism is one of them. They must knock down any last vestige of nationalism. And they've already done that, you see, in Europe. And they're working hard on it for the Americas. So the advanced capital market liberalization and strengthen support for open investment regimes. Now, this ties in with this crisis they've created as well, by the way, because under these treaties, you see, we're all going to have to bail out every other country that sinks, especially the lower countries, the so-called third-world countries. That's part of the agreement. So if a bank goes down in Germany, uh, the taxpayer in the U.S. and Canada is going to help bail them out. This is an integrated thing. Now, this was written before you heard of this collapse, you see how they time everything to work together. So all these treaties and, and all these uh, organizations are set up to deal with all this before the crash comes. And the integration of the Americas was set up long before the crash has come, has come to us. And now we're going to the integration of Europe and eventually will be the Pacific Rim the, the countries as well. That was always the idea for the United Nations was to set it up over three regions, three big trading blocks. And we're living through it, the culmination of this. A lot of hard work went into the making this, and a lot of secrecy and stealth and deception. It says, the transatlantic market today accounts for nearly 55% of global GDP. Transatlantic economic relations are strong but can be made even stronger. Both the United States and Europe believe in a strong and effective regulation to protect our citizens, our citizens, and the environment. See, the environment, again, another big stick. However, in some cases, unnecessary differences in regulatory approaches make our companies less competitive, raise consumer costs, reduce consumer choice, and slow job creation. Fantastic site to go into to tell you what they're up to. But back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, trying to get between all these different chess boards that are going on to show you that they're all connected by strategy. And that's what they do. They, they, they print up tactical reports for their, from their think tanks and implement them, and they call it strategic, sort of strategic plans, military-type plans, strategy. And part of this strategy is to keep the public in the dark until it's all over. And true enough, they give us nothing but trivia to look at. Just punch up Yahoo and look at the front page and see what's there, all the glitter and glamour. But nothing really much of, of any real truth or import is given to you. Here's another part of the USA Search.gov, their own website. Framework for Advancing Transatlantic Economic Integration. We, leaders of the United States of America and the European Union, welcoming the launch of a study funded by the European Commission to identify existing barriers to trade. Next part, it says, Fact Sheet Advancing Transatlantic Economic Integration. And that's what's called Transatlantic Economic Integration. Advancing Transatlantic Economic Integration through the Transatlantic Economic Council. Did you vote in an economic council? Do you know anybody on it? It says, Fact Sheet Bureau of European and Eurasian Affairs, Washington, D.C., May the 13th, 2008. One below it says, Council Review of Progress under the Framework. Transatlantic Economic Council Reviews of Progress under the Framework for Advancing Transatlantic Economic Integration between the United States of America and the European Union. This is from the State Department. And it goes back and back over the years where we're kept busy with other things. The United States and the European Union Initiative to Enhance. We talk about the European Union and Americas. For immediate release June the 20th, 2005, the United States and the European Union Initiative to Enhance Transatlantic Economic Integration. Down below it, Transatlantic Economic Council reports the EU-US Summit 2008 believing that transatlantic economic integration will maximize economic benefits for their citizens through competition and stronger growth while maintaining high standards of. That's 2008. It goes on and on and on it goes, you see. While most people are worried about one thing at a time, and that's what they know, you see. Most people can only deal with one major issue or crisis at a time. They say that two at the max, but once you hit three crises at the same time, you tend to mentally collapse or turn off. And that's why it's done this way. All these changes come along at the same time. And sure enough, as those who are concentrating just on fighting the integration of the Americas, because it truly will not benefit the public, just as the European Union did not benefit the public, they're already working on taking this big block and merging it with that big block. They love building blocks, but they are masons after all. Higher orders, although may it be. That's the reality of the world in which we live. All these quiet goings-on, steady, steady, weekly, monthly, yearly, and it's never mentioned by the news. The mainstream news won't touch it. But it's right there on the government websites. And just over the last few weeks, Mr. Harper at Canada has also made overtures to push this economic integration further with Europe.
and that's what we're living through. Quite something, isn't it? Now we'll go to the phones now. We've got Alex from Chicago there. Hey there, Alex. Hello. Hello. Hello, Ellen. How are you doing? How's I'm the hanging on here with my fingernails. I yeah. bet. Uh, you were talking about the integration of Americas. Uh, is it okay if I deviate into the nature worship question? Yes. Okay, because it kind of relates since it's uh, all new age. Yeah. And uh, I would like to mention that it's always too great to hear you on Alex Jones' show recently. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, when I read the Old Testament from the Bible, it appears that the nature acts in concert with the people down below. And it either afflicts or blesses uh, those uh, the inhabitants down below. And uh, uh, many attributes of God in the Old Testament are associated with something tangible in nature, mm-hmm. such as a rock or a mountain, wind. Or in one of the Psalms, actually, the God is proclaimed as the sun, S-U-N, and the shield. Yeah. And uh, therefore, do you think the Jewish religious writers or rabbis thought of nature as their Jehovah God? Um, they claim that, that, that Jehovah showed his handiwork through all nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, Kabbalah certainly divinates on nature. Yes. The and the problem with the public, is, here's the thing, you see, whenever, if you look into history, whenever they're taking a country down or an empire down to merge it with another bigger empire, they created uh, nature worship and it was pushed to the maximum. The populace really um, seemed to lose their ability to rationalize when they're really into the belief of nature worship. And it was used for killing off uh, excess population in the Greek um, uh, islands. Mm-hmm. They used that and promoted that to kill off uh, what they thought was the excess population. And the public truly, were, they will believe whatever they're told to believe if it's presented the right way. And nature worship uh, is a great thing to use, but they also introduce all other kinds um, of things at the same time. We know that, for instance, at the fall of Greece, uh, they were hardly breeding in the the noble classes because most Mm. men preferred boys. Mm. And the same thing was done with the females. They were after women. The same thing happened with Rome so much. And as they were pushing the nature worship and do as thou wilt is the whole of the law, uh, they found that their own nobility weren't breeding enough and they tried to pass laws to force them to do it. Mm. So it's a great tool to use whenever you're taking down an old age, a system, you create all kinds of, of um, uh, put it this way, alternate ways of living, uh, which, which ends up destroying anything that's normal, normal. See, the whole thing is to destroy what is normal. If nothing is normal, then you have nothing to compare the new with. And if you're going into a, a system where it's going to be constant change, then you, you truly will allow anything to happen, anything to be pushed upon you, because there is no normal anyway. It's called moral relativity. Mm-hmm. And so every group is used, even though they think they're championing their own causes. They're not championing their own causes. They're helping bring in a new system, which they cannot even imagine. Mm-hmm. The present system, uh, under the guise of nature worship, will have us all sterilized, to save Gia, Mother Earth, and you also find they're going to reduce the population to not just to what they call a manageable population, but really what it is is the perfect uh, amount for serving this elite that will rule the planet. This is what yeah. they want. Um, 
that the elite have their own form of nature worship which is far far deeper uh, than the, the new age uh, have been given the new age is, is very simplistic and uh, it's meant to make you not look at the events that are unpleasant around you in fact you're taught to, to not to look at the unpleasant events always look at the positive and turn your positive, back on positive the negative thinking yes Mm-hmm. And even positive thinking, the books that first came out were all written by high Freemasons who generally run all the major stuff that we do read. So you can't tell most New Agers about what's going on. They shut down, they turn back on you, and they talk about trivia and nice things, but, which but is all them. very well if you mm-hmm. truly were living in a, someone else's dream. But this is reality, and if you don't know the trains coming up behind you, uh, then, and you better turn around and see it and get off the tracks, then you will be a goner. The children who are being brought up today in school are already being trained to, to go for voluntary sterilization. Hmm. Right, but you won't see that happening with the elite. They won't put their children through the same thing because, as they say themselves, they must rule the planet, steer the planet. They must have the offspring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, I'm noticing that positive thinking has been affected so many minds. And for example, in uh, even I talk to some Mexican people who barely speak English, but they talk about that uh, new movie that came out, The Secret, which talks about how if you think positively and if you wish and have certain ambitions, you will achieve anything and become yeah. a millionaire or whatever you want. Yeah. You, even a barely English-speaking Mexican uh, is fond with that. It is because it's a great escape, you see, from your present conditions. It, it truly is. It's called magical thinking in psychiatry. Mm. And it truly is a, a nice thing to, to imagine all the time and wish for it. And it's also taught through the Course in Miracles and, and the, the other Bibles of the New Age that are put out there. Um, wishful thinking. But what it really does is they always give you gurus who tell you what to wish for, which really is just you going along with an agenda. Uh, so you're all being used to go along with a particular agenda, but you don't know what the final outcome is. You all think it's going to benefit you personally, but it's not. These guys who, who rule over our minds understand this very well. Mm. That's the key to it. Uh, yeah, and also when I read the Old Testament, um, just one of the instants, when the Jewish people were going through the wilderness, and yeah. the God said, I will uh, bless you and so forth and so on. I will give you all this land. And he said one thing, that all the inhabitants of the earth around you in the wilderness are destined to be killed, and you will kill them. Yeah. And then you will rule the whole land. So this is clear, blatant eugenics program right there in the Old Yeah, Testament. well, if you follow the Old Testament, the whole book is nothing but eugenics. It's With nothing all but the killing. Gatting and who married who and, you know. Yeah. It's nothing but killing. Yes. It's so much blood. Um, I know. I can ask a second question. It's related to the Bible as well. Do you think the Bible uh, was given to us for the age of pieces because it will be irrelevant and obsolete in the age that is very nigh? I have no doubt that the age of Pisces um, definitely has used the Bible to the maximum. The British Empire, whenever it went to invade countries or take over places in Africa, always ensured there was a train load of Bibles would come in with the mm-hmm. troops to be passed amongst the people to try. You see, that's what they call the soft kill. First, they kill the mind mm-hmm. by telling you not to kill. It's written in the Bible. 
And even that's uh, not right either, because in the Jewish version it says, Thou shalt not commit murder, but everyone else to tell you, you shall not kill, it's a, it's a sin. So, but that you use the soft uh, touch first, you, you do, you, it's like true, it's like there's, um, battles, uh, on the mainland, the ships bombard the mainland and all the fortifications, and that's a softening up process. So they use religion to go in first and soften up the minds of the people before they take over their wealth and start killing them. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because the Bible hasn't even existed before uh, 325 AD during the Council of Nicaea. Yes, all they had were, and even then, uh, they, they, they sorted through hundreds and hundreds of, of scripts to decide which ones they would choose. And mm. so you see, every Bible is written for a political reason. Mm. And even the updates are written for political reasons. The, the Geneva Bible was mm -hmm. written by Masons for political reasons. Mm. And the King James Version was written in response to the Geneva Bible. Uh, and, of course, King James asked and told the translators to make sure that he would elevate the king's authority as a representative of God. And that's why it's all through that Bible. The, the, the other versions give you footnotes and tell you um, what, what it actually says in the original mm -hmm. scripture. But uh, yet, I, I'm telling you, if, the, if a Jesus Christ came to, to the world tomorrow mm -hmm. and, and was killed again, uh, they would distort it as soon uh, as his body was cold. Oh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, yeah. uh, the King James Version Bible has a preamble dedicated to the king and yeah. uh, how he is called his highness and so forth. He's, ca he's called that son of Zion, S-U-N of Zion. Mm. And, mm. And, and the foreword by the printers, you yeah. mm. Okay, Alan, I will not uh, keep you much longer. I know there are other callers probably. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Alan, so much for answering the questions. Well, thanks for calling. Yeah, have a good one, Alan. Uh, you too. Uh, this is Anthony in Ireland. Are you there, Anthony? Hi, Alan. Hi. Hi, Alan. Um, I just want to say your show is fantastic, and it's like doing a course on how to analyze, break down propaganda, and deprogram yourself. And I think that any of your listeners who haven't donated should at least send a small amount if they can, because if they let you in a pub, they certainly buy you a drink. Yes. Um, my First question would be, everything seems to be speeding up now with the economic crisis and everything, and do you believe that in the next um, four years, or yeah, 2010-2012, that it leads up to a rapid extermination of the population, or is that just um, something put out there to make the, the truthers yeah, more panicky and more afraid? And, um, my second question would be, what percentage do you think we have of defeating the New World Order? What, is it 99% the New World Order is going to win? It could be done quite easily if the public would just be organized and all come out on the streets en masse and protest it, because that's the only chance they have of doing anything. That's why I try and get through to people. You can't listen just to shows or talk show hosts doing a lot of talking the people have to get out there and use the only um, grievance method they're allowed, and that's for mass demonstrations and say no to all of this. And once that happens, the media can't ignore it, and then the big boys have to scuttle. They'll never give it up. They'll never give up their agenda, but they will have to postpone certain parts and, and try and calm our fears for a little while. 
that's how that would be done. As far as the dates go, 2010 is the deadline for the last uh, signatory to be put on uh, the, the American Union. Um, they publicize that every year in Canada when they sign it, and, and that's as totally integrated then in the Americas. Um, 2012, they hope to build up the United Nations to its proper place as the global government or, or government system, and uh, the three main trading blocks will then be provinces, run as provinces uh, of, of the system. That's how it's to be set up. Much the same way, you see, it was to be based on the, the British Empire. And the British Empire had basically uh, a clone system set up in every country they ruled. And they called it Dominions. And everything was ruled from London. And that's what they said at the Council on Foreign Relations, that this new system was based upon the start, what Britain had already created to integrate a world system, it would be used, that world system from Britain would be used and built upon to bring in this whole uh, system of world government. So that's what we're living through right now. Yeah. And to make the United Nations the, seen as the world power, we're even more power than what they have now, you think they don't achieve that to another crisis? Yes, they'll create a crisis. They already have the United Nations running so many parts of our lives already. Look at how many government departments are in the UN. It's terrifying. They can run the whole world right now. But thanks for calling. And we'll be back with more after this break. We're cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Tony from Massachusetts. Are you there, Tony? Hi there, Alec. Hello, and it's good to talk to you again. I haven't called in quite a bit, but I'm still listening, and I um, appreciate all the work you're doing. A question I had for you, I've got actually two quick ones. The first one was, in, I've had a lot of troubles trying to still trying to wake people up. It's been it's been quite a task. And some of them I, I present a lot of the information you put out and a lot of other information from other uh, sites and different authors and they just don't seem to want to really wake up. That's the feeling I've got. Now the question I have for you is it comes to a point where persons like yourself and myself and others have have woken up and we've we've really taken an interest in all of this and and want to see a change and, and really desire for it. How how much factor does it factor in where you think? Do you feel that this people just it's you sort of have to have a love or a desire for it, to see the right thing done or happen? Do you, yeah. How much of that do you think factors in there? Uh, there's an awful lot. It's also to do with the fact that, that their culture is scientifically designed. Uh, everything that they hear, all information is scientifically designed, like a torpedo, to go right into their mind. And we find that Lord Bertrand Russell said that we are creating an egocentric society. That way, you see, the people will be uninvolved in the big matters that, that surround them. They've created that society as a me-type generation. Uh, so that was very important. You find that Brzezinski and others talked about how they, their opinions would be formed for them and means and methods that they wouldn't even understand, they wouldn't even know what's happening. You're looking at the damage of, of a lifelong um, indoctrination process, and they're completely oblivious 
to it. Many of them cannot wake up, and you have to leave them alone. Um, it's up to people really with memory and who have come through this intact to help lead the charge here and encourage people to get organized very quickly and get out on the streets because that's the only chance that they have is to start mass demonstrations to all of this stuff that's going on that we do not vote for in any country. Therefore, we're telling them to get rid of all these non-democratical organizations and means of implementation, wipe them off the books because we should be informed and we should be involved in all decisions that's going to affect us and the children to come for the future. Right. So you, so you do feel that the, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, as well is what, at what point does the individual have to take a personal desire to want to see a change? I mean, it's not just enough. I, I know there's a certain amount of brainwashing that has been used chemically and yeah. dumbing down throughout the years, but there, there comes a point where what, what's the difference between myself and an individual who's, who's presented all this information in black and white, and they see it, and they just say it's because, no. It's because you've got spirit in you. If you don't have spirit, then there's nothing. You're, you're a machine. Okay. You're a creature of instinct running on, on just instinct, where you run around satisfying your, your senses and desires. Uh, that's what you're seeing in people. That uh, They're just like people without any kind of spirit. They have no fire in them. Okay. Uh, so, so that's the difference and in other words they are the end product of a war which was put upon them at the very beginning of their lives even in the womb in fact I've got lots of stuff on this and you're seeing the, the end product of damaged people yeah. well thank you so much thank you so much for answering my question that really was, was, a, was a sticking point with me but now I kind of realize that okay. it's just a defect in them almost I guess well, thanks for calling. And that stands the show for tonight, short though it is. From Hamish myself in an incredibly heavily sprayed Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.